0: Welcome to The Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to The Lighthouse Experiment. Dude, this is such a good episode. Um, my dear husband, Nick Chandler, is on the episode today. So myself, my hubby, and Jim Perkin. Do you want me to lift that up a, a little bit or anything? No.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, are you good? Are you comfortable? Are you cozy?
2: <laughs> just it, you making co- it worse, Ashley. Sorry. Okay. You, you know you're not getting paid, right? <laughs> I just want to you pick know, everyone else thought they were getting paid for some reason. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I think the last episode that he was on was technically, like, a sound effect, too. Remember, he, like, did the one, like, hello. Truth.
1: truth. Yeah, those are facts right there. Facts. So.
0: Thank you, Johnny Franklin.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Jen. John. Hey, Johnny. Cool.
0: No, the, um, so this week we're excited. Um, Nick and I get to interview you, Jim. So we got to talk with Roger Kahn. Um, the week before so now we get to interview you and this is fun because it's been a minute since we interviewed you pretty much about right. um your veteran experience because we did a lot of that when we first started the podcast and stuff so this is fun
2: what
1: you well, first what motivated you
2: well okay so basically i didn't do so well in high school you know i had a less than 2.0 gpa when i had graduated My dad got transferred in his job out to Colorado, and I took advantage of moving with the family. Okay. Um, It was an interesting story, too, sidebar. He had actually, they had offered to set me up, you know, um, at the time, we had moved from California. We lived in Naperville, Illinois. So they offered to set me up, like, in an apartment, and I'd get a job and stay there. Or move with the family to Colorado. I opted for, obviously, the skiing and the sunny skies of Colorado. And so I spent, that was in 88 I graduated, so from 88 until early in 1990 what I did was delivered pizzas and went skiing. That was it. And then the summer of 1990 I thought to myself, man, you're going to have to do something. And then my dad told me that I probably college wasn't going to be my thing. Quote, bro, <laughs> college probably not going to be for you. And he kind of the all the different slid all the different brochures across he was, he a, marine. was a marine right yeah, oh, yeah he was a marine i didn't want to do that i didn't want to work for that organization because <laughs> they seemed like way like for real so like everything i knew about him and all the movies and all this other stuff
0: a little intense seemed a
2: little intense for me yeah yeah there so. they are i i got a
1: brother a brother yeah. that's a marine Yeah. so
2: it's something so it's a marine
1: always a marine that's what he always says uh-huh. so, yeah.
2: i picked army so I had worked. As soon as I figured out I could make my own money. Okay. You know, and that, that went years before that. As soon as like all my brothers, or both my brothers and me, same thing. As soon as we could get our own cash and have it, and not have to be really responsible just have our own cash. So then our parents didn't have to necessarily yeah. buy clothes and shoes and stuff like that. And then we were all about it. So yeah. other than taking up a space in their house and that kind of thing, I was paying for my own stuff anyhow. You know, they set me up with a car I remember, an Zuzu pickup truck. Oh it was dope dude, It was so cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that thing lasted forever. I gave it to another family and it lasted I think well no. over two hundred thousand miles.
0: Dude, that's awesome.
1: So really that was only motivation. It wasn't like someone you really admired or something like that that was in a military and it was just one of those things
2: where just gotta do
1: something. Gotta do something.
2: Right. I wasn't, that, if I had been like, man, I don't want to do the military, it would have just been, uh, they would have encouraged me to get into some kind of trade, probably, or okay. just find a job that I could stay with, and, you know, it wouldn't have been, there was never any ultimatums, like, you need to do this, we're going to kick you out, it, but it was this time to consider
0: Yeah.
2: a big boy job, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, I did, honestly, I tried. I tried junior college, and like didn't even last a full semester I took a couple classes and it was just to me it was just dumb and then you know it was I was the consumer paying for my classes and I didn't really have to go right and then so it was super easy to I had no desire and you know I kind of the the attitude and stuff of the two professors that I ever had I was like dude like you're you're coming across like you're the be all end all of this this work arena or this topic right but you're at a community college in like Littleton Colorado I mean come on
0: right
2: and and probably the wrong perspective to have but I was also pretty young
0: okay
2: you know so you know the military was cool it was it was what I needed I loved I mean I loved basic training
1: that was my next question like you know so what do you remember most about you know basic training boot camp um was
2: your experience with that that everything that you see in every movie they really say that yeah and it's silly and I had a hard time not laughing kind of the era I went in the drill sergeants could still put their hands on you by that I mean slap my mouth and throw me around and stuff like that yeah. but I couldn't help it because they say all this stuff if you've seen any <laughs> military movies where people go through basic training a lot of slang
1: yeah
2: oh my goodness gracious yeah. Like how tall are you? And I'm like I'm oh, like five ten, five ten. I didn't know they really crap that high. I'm like S-. and then I just couldn't help. I'm like, man, I just watched that movie yesterday and then crack and <laughs> slapped my mouth. But yeah, basic training I can tell you the funniest thing that happened was the very first day. So you kinda go and they put you in this thing called the reception center. It's where you get all your shots and your uniforms and your head shaved and all this other all this stuff. So you go through, and everything's cool, and every, they're, like, super cool. Like, all the cadre, all the sergeants and staff, all the military people are, like, it's so cool that you're coming in the military in this time because there's unrest in the Middle East and all this stuff, and they're high praise for you and helping you with all these things, Then they put you in these things called cattle trucks, which is just a big cattle truck, <laughs> basically just a big truck and trailer where it's uncomfortable, you're standing way too close to, too close to other humans you know other guys. <laughs> this is horribly uncomfortable. And then they take you around and you went over these train tracks and over this little bridge and as we crested the bridge, the drill sergeant Demeter totally flipped and now they're screaming you know you're pond scum, you're worthless you're trash yelling at you to get off get the hell off my car screaming get all your stuff throwing it at you you're doing push-ups all this stuff make you run up into your barracks room which mine was like our area was like three flights of stairs up Then all these other exercises and they would make you drink this your canteen of water and then once you thought you would drink it all you had to hold it over your head and if water came out on your head then you had to do more push-ups and drink more water and this is chaos, and you're freaking out, and it's scary, and probably the funniest story from my military, from basic training at least, as they telling us to go back on the drill pad, like this main area, and I get running down a flight of stairs, and there was a drill sergeant candidate, which he didn't have like the Smokey the Bear kind of cowboy hat looking thing, and he says, "Get down, to start doing," tells me, yelling at me to do push-ups. So I'm doing push-ups while this dude is yelling at me, his cover, his soft cap falls off, and so does mine. When he takes off down the stairs and leaves me, you know, in a pool of sweat and tears, I notice that he's left his hat and taken mine. I had no rank, so I had no rank in He was Staff Sergeant, or E6, and that was what was on his hat that I'm left holding. So my... Oh, toot- snap. <laughs> snap. <laughs> so my choice is... Or to either, A, put his cover on and get in trouble for impersonating a higher rank. Or, B, go out there without a cover on and get in trouble for going out there without a cover on.
0: So, option A or B, Jim, what would you pick?
2: I chose A because I thought it was going to be worse. So, I go running out there and then I magnify the problem by blaming him for taking my hat and it just snowballed from there. It was terrible. Oh, geez. So that was basic training. So I set, made a giant target on my back within the first probably 25, 30 minutes.
0: Did you ever recover from that or was it just No, like, because hey? I made
2: other more grave mistakes as
0: well. What What else did you do?
2: Touched the senior drill sergeant. They had, like they would ask gig a gig on a uniform if there's an imperfection. And so he was parading, kind of peacocking in front of us. If anybody, us, you know, dirtbags can find a gig on his uniform, we get a four-day pass. Like a four-day vacation, basically. Four-day weekend. Well, he had had his cleaners. You would, like once you were in permanent party, we would send our uniforms to the cleaners, and they'd press them and starch them. We'd get them, like, heavy. So they're, like, crispy, starched. Well, his pocket, one of his pockets on his shirt was pressed up and not buttoned so I was in the front row the first squad and I reached up I said drill sergeant your pocket was pressed up and I flipped it down he punched me in the guts slapped me in the mouth I said mouth <laughs> it was it was terrible and then just from there I just it seemed like I couldn't get it straight oh, he no. just
1: yelled at you just
2: all the time don't mess every with, time I came around it was terrible don't mess with his chest candy It was just every single thing. It was just just everything I did. that was basic training.
0: So
1: after MOS, like, what was your kind of, like, role? What was your first kind of, like, official, like, role? What were you doing? What were you...
2: After training? Yeah. After training, I was... Part of the contract I signed when I went in was that I would go to Korea, which was kind of like the recruiter when I went through recruitment. That was... I wanted to travel right away. I wanted to go to a different country. And that was, like, the only stipulation I put. I don't care what job. I don't care where. As long as, like, first out of training, I can go somewhere else. Like, Germany, Korea, wherever. And he said they had a spot in Korea. So I went there. And as soon as I got there, they were doing everywhere you go. You go through reception again. And kind of process in. And while processing in to... Uh, in Seoul, South Korea, I met an officer, he was second lieutenant, Pete Gibson, and he asked me if I wanted to be his driver. So for the 18 months in Korea, I drove an officer around. And then basically my whole career, we came out, came back to the States at the same time, and I drove for him at Fort Lewis the whole time, right until my last day. And then kind of during that time frame, it, it was different. It's not like now where everyone's in combat or everyone's re- always ready to deploy. So jobs change at whatever the army needs. So for like six months left, I became in charge of fuel and oil and stuff like that, and his driver.
1: Now, was that was that normal to have, you know, a driver for that long? I would think it would be because, especially that high up, yeah, they you want someone it. that you can trust all the time, right? Right. And once you're comfortable with that person. You're,
2: you're right. kind of good to go. So. It just So it worked out because we went to the same place, obviously. Like, if, But, yeah, when that happens, guys will keep their drivers. And then that's like a whole network of, like a whole little click, if you will, of guys. All the drivers are always always together. It's kind of a double-edged sword, though. So I'm driving for an officer, and I'm getting kind of officer privilege. You know what I mean? just super, little nuanced things like... So if you're a captain and I'm a lieutenant, I have to call you Captain Chandler, but you would call me Jim. It's just kind of, so he would call me Jim. I would call him sir, he would call me Jim. Enlisted, or non-commissioned officer, like my NCOs, my sergeants and stuff, would always be mad. Because he was calling me by name, like calling me Jim instead of corporal. And then, no reason other than just to be mad, and that was always of a side
0: hassle. <laughs> 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 you're like <laughs> getting people mad no matter where you went
2: right but you it's, have you been know, it's like, a weird little subculture yeah. in the military
0: which is kind of fun because I think in a lot of great ways you've kind of pushed the envelope and pushed some boundaries in some ways like in the experience and the years that you've had like out of service now yeah so in good ways can't I'd help
2: it <laughs> So,
1: just being a driver and everything like that, obviously, there's probably some stuff you just can't talk about simply just because he was a lieutenant, and there's probably certain things that he did that were probably classified and what have you. Right. Um, but was there a lot of just smoking and joking, you know, as I say, in, a, in the military, just, just goofing around, or um, when he wasn't there, or did you have a lot of downtime when you you know, just kind of drop them off or, or waiting so, or uh, how do you usually handle that?
2: So kind of, so in Korea, they don't have POVs, they don't have private vehicles. So anywhere he ever had to go at any time, I had to be there to pick him up in a Humvee and, and drive him. Okay. I was like literally his always assistant, except for off-duty hours, obviously. Yeah. And, well, even then sometimes, but, you know, and, but when you're in the States, they drive themselves around in their own, unless it's during like the workday, if he's going somewhere where other drivers are going to be, it was kind of, this when you're in the States, it depends on the circumstance. But if I wasn't with him, I'd just be helping out in whatever his office. Basically, so what you are is his secretary, his assistant, you know, and his driver. In the States, you're more like his runner, you know, and stuff like that. So especially as his rank got higher. Like, once he was a major, then, yeah, know, was just... Yeah, in
1: a way, you're kind of his gatekeeper. Right. You know, as in well, a lot of ways. And just like a CEO with their major assistant. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, oh, you're an assistant? But that person has a lot of power. Yeah. <laughs> and just a lot of just privileges and just the ear of the CEO. So
2: you right. had the ear yeah, of exactly. the lieutenant. So... And then I also had the same, just because, due to the nature of the unit or the regiment we were in I had the same clearance okay just in case in case for deployment purposes and stuff like that okay
0: that's cool did you guys have real conversations like do you feel like you guys really got to know you know like he there's that that break of position right so he is your superior but do you feel like like as a like that camaraderie to spend that much time like serving with somebody all the time like well, yeah. how, is, how did that dynamic work
2: um. We had that. We had it like, it's almost like now. I have I work you know on the ambulance. I've had the same partner for the most of the time. It it's just like that. Um, it's a little different dynamic in the states because he had his family and stuff like that. In Korea, they weren't there, so most times it was just. And this dude was, like he wouldn't fit on first sight. He wouldn't fit the military kind of stereotype. So he wasn't part of that kind of go boys network or anything like that. You know, he went to a lot of schools. And in the end, he was, you know, a ranger qualified, special forces, all that stuff, you know, but super tough guy. But, like, to see him, you like, huh, It's not what I expected. Yeah. You know, but yeah, so overseas, because it's very different. Because it was, overseas is interesting because most people just stay just annihilated drunk the whole time especially in Korea there's nothing else to do and then so to kind of grow up where that wasn't really the atmosphere that was hard for me to like you guys are spending so much money and you feel like crap every single day yeah. and I can't wrap my head around this and he was kind of the same you know
0: that's a blessing
2: right so yeah so he just like just, you know he he
1: wasn't the typical marine or the typical army guy where right. You know the smoking and joking or what have you. He was sound like he was very very educated. Yep, he was and, extremely educated. But he's like he's just that next level guy where he's not just only educate um, educated and knowledgeable, but just you know he'll gas up him, gas it up and burn it down too. Yeah, you know, it's just he's that tough guy. Right, as a guy that can just just go. You know, I mean, so was he a lifer? Or was yeah, he, he
2: stayed in for. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he made. He made it to brigadier general so one star wow yeah, i think he made it to that's awesome made it to full full bird colonel super quick and then took some time and then by the time he got out of if i'm not it was either he was a colonel or a brigadier general and that's that's just first level of general so yeah but still i mean that dude had a star and that's yeah but yeah so when I got out, it was such a struggle, then I started having some animosity towards the military for a season or two, which was really like misguided, because I was really mad at civilians <laughs> for being civilians. What part of it? Every part of it. <laughs> just like
0: just being ignorant to the whole military no, not experience. That,
2: not really, because I didn't. I've never hold held anybody to the standard that they need to understand what we're doing. It's just that I couldn't wrap my head around for a long time couldn't wrap my head around the lack of discipline. Mm,
0: yeah.
2: You know, and and just certain things that I would struggle with. Like I remember getting a factory job and being told we had to work overtime. And like I mean I and mean, you know, maybe some of it was I was ignorant to the normal civilian world because I didn't know what that was. know like, what is what is this what's this overtime you speak of? And the foreman was like, Well you gotta stay an extra hour, but you get paid time and a half. And I would be like, what? Like, I'll <laughs> stay three extra hours, dude. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> One, and everybody else would be super mad that they were making us stay late. And I was like, and I was used to all those years of just, you
1: You you're on got your all orders. All the time. Yeah, you got your, That's your
2: orders. Days. That's what you're doing. That's what we do, and we don't stop until someone says stop. And it was and it was fine. But all in all, the experience was in the military. It was amazing. It was Getting out of the military. Sorry, it, it took a while. So
1: while while in the military, though, you pretty much were was in Korea the whole time.
2: Nope, just for a year. Just for a year. So that's I was what in it for, was, sorry. so six and a half years. I was in.
0: Okay.
2: And then the first, so it's like, so I did basic training, and then AIT, and then I went to airborne school, and then I went to air assault school. So by the time all that's done, that's basically my first year, real close. Then I went to Korea. I was there for a little longer, a little more than a year, because they did a little stop-loss thing where they had like, some miscalculation, probably, by somebody in Washington. So the troops' numbers are down, so then they keep you for a little bit longer, which was cool. I didn't mind Korea. And then came back to Fort Lewis, and I then I was on Fort Lewis until.
1: So were you—did you ever get to go to the Five Sided um, Puzzle Palace? the pentagon <laughs> anything <laughs> nothing no okay
0: and you were really wanting to go out of the country when you first enlisted but then you spent a lot of your time so you never went anywhere else other well country?
2: i went from from fort lewis i did short deployments to south america
0: okay oh yeah, but yeah short i forgot about that yeah
2: short like 14 to 20 to 30 days and back at and a time and Back and back okay and, and right. you were still his driver yeah when you do that not okay. necessarily driving there when we'd be there, but I, I still But okay. is
0: yeah. So was that a choice? I mean, how much of a choice did you have to continue? Like, if you had wanted to go serve again in another country, could have you requested?
2: At a like a reenlistment. Okay. I could have. Okay. And so I reenlisted once to stay right where I was and do right what I was doing. Okay. And then my first marriage, actually, we were just getting ready to get married. So what happened with that? Because that was all getting ready to happen. And we actually were going to get... Most of my battalion got deployed to Montana to help with a wildland fire. Oh, wow. It was interesting. They'll use the army for whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I got out of that because we were getting married. And then it was that kind of that scare that I was like, dude, I don't want to have... Kind of what, like, last time when Roger was speaking to. I don't want to have this family or trying to have this family or raise a family and constantly be worried about being deployed, yeah, and that was the kind of battalion I was in. It was we were always ready, always ready for deployment. So that was when it came to time where I was like, I gotta, I gotta rethink, rethink priorities and stuff like that.
1: Actually, Ashley and I were talking like this morning about just like different things and different things that I have experienced and what have you, and uh, my time of possibly going in the military and everything. And in reality, was is. So I experienced a lot of things. I, you know, I wanted to see if I wanted to do it before I just joined. Um, and I got that, I guess, advice from my brothers because both right. of them are in the military. Um, so I, I, I knew a couple of people and I did different things like clearing houses, stuff like that, and just being around the guns and the sling and everything else um, and experiencing a little bit of the gas chamber. Um, uh, that, yeah, yeah. that sucked, and a little bit of OC <laughs> stuff too in the eyes. Uh, but, anyways, the cool thing about that is for me is you know, I at least had a choice, you right. know, and I can I was able to do I'm not doing this, you guys don't have a choice, like you said, once you're in, you're in, right? And I guess where I'm going with that is simply you know, the main reason why I didn't go into the military, and I think it's probably one of my biggest regrets is, um, I my brother, he's really he's he's a wise, very wise person, but at the time, he's like it's just not what it used to be, right? And it's just it's just I wouldn't do it. It's just not what it used to be, and so and that's how he explained it. Do you feel that, you know, your time in the military, um, and the time now, it, is there major differences? Is oh, there yeah. something that?
2: Yeah, there was there was huge differences almost immediately. It went from, like I said, where they, I mean, they got kicked in the shins, <laughs> punched in the guts, you know, face slapped, made to do just ridiculous PT, always stressful, always yelling at us. Things like, you you know, you go in the chow hall at lunch, and it was, that was meant to be super fast, but kind of the rule was, like, everybody had to be done eating by the time the first guy eating was done eating.
1: And a lot of times... Usually the tallest guy went to, right? Right. So my the, brother was always the short shortest. Right. And because um, 'cause I'm like, I don't know, three, four inches taller than him, but he's just a short guy and he just had a just chow,
2: just like right.
1: he had to shovel it in all the time.
2: And yeah, so so a lot of times it'd be that, right? So if the first couple meals, that first dude that went in there was scared to death, so he was just chowing and then there the rest of us would be and never even make it in the room you know because he didn't realize and that, and that aspect right is to build a team like understand that we all have to like everybody has to work be cohesive and work together. See in my
0: mind just tell everybody that ahead of time.
2: But <laughs> but that loses the purpose of it right. But right?
0: Right.
1: yeah because the whole point of being a team is you're not going to be able to communicate verbally all the time. So you need to kind of read each other really really well. Yeah. And so just underst-
2: yeah it's the understanding. Man. But like so, but to your question, by the time I'm like four years in, it's already we're having new privates come through, and it's already where they have these stress cards, where like they didn't want to be yelled at for the day, it was too much. Like I just can't even today. They could present <laughs> that, and they'd be left alone. Can you do that, Ashley. They can't even.
0: Margot. <laughs> We digress. Anyway, sorry. We digress.
2: But but that was it. That's what had happened, and it's progressed like that. The further it goes. So like a hall pass in a the way they got. It's just yeah, kind of. So
1: then the drill sergeants weren't really drill sergeant anymore. They were just kind of
2: kind babysitters
1: of like, on Prozac. Yeah, you know, kind it of was, happy all the time. It was time just a and, weird,
2: just a weird time. Okay. And I think I don't know now. I don't know many people. You know, one of the one of the our youth kids here at Freedom Center Church, just he did kind of like this split service option. So we went to basic training between junior and senior year. Then he does senior year of high school, then i will go back in. But he said, it's it's pretty intense again. Okay. okay. Because there's a lot of soldiers, so it's more selective.
0: It's hard because the nature of what you would potentially be training to go into, like you you need the skill set that's produced under pressure. Right. So I I don't know.
2: Well, kind of to the model the military's trying to go for is that the boots on the ground individuals will be more intensely, more highly trained, more acutely trained, especially the combat people.
0: Yeah.
2: So it'll be more at that elite ranger, special forces level, because there's really, truth be told, there's not need for anything else. If you're talking about on the ground warfighter, there's no need to have just an infantryman. Just a
1: or chair force
2: right Mm -hmm. just that there's you know good things can be done through tech and stuff now so that part of the fighting force will be getting smaller so the training's becoming more intense so it's it's changed quite a bit
1: so to you though like what does it really truly mean though to be a veteran for you is it something that you have a lot of pride in is it something that um I say pride like as and not like look at me pride but like just respect
2: that's a good question because in the last episode i kind of touched on this but for me before coming here and kind of digging in and being part of freedom center church i didn't even think of it i mean i've always obviously i've always known i'm a veteran but i never thought of it from that respect and in a lot of ways to this day I can't stand. Like I know it's gonna happen on Sunday. I already know. Pastor's gonna want us to stand up. And I really don't entirely like that. But he actually, Pastor Jim, explained to me that it's what I'm what I'm doing is honoring people by letting them honor me. And so for me to answer your question, I never really thought about it until the last few years, especially with this ministry, with Lighthouse Experiment, understanding Kind of the meaning and the reverence behind being a veteran, and,
1: and part of, you know, like like Pastor Jim is honoring what have you, but I think part of it too is you're honoring the people that have fallen, right? Because when he does that, and the Veteran Day and everything like that, there's a lot of people that all of a sudden they start thinking about veterans again, and just the the lives that were lost. The, you know, especially in our early days, where kids were 16 years old and lying that yeah. they're 18 and they're they're 16 years old dying in the battlefield, right? Um, and just just a lot of life that has been lost for this country, and I think that's something very very important that so many people take lightly now, and just and I've always been really really respectful to veterans and hope well I hope I have because. In reality, they they did something that a lot of us just couldn't do or don't want to do, right. because yeah. you know, even going back to me, I at a point where you know I probably could have done it, and I probably actually did, probably would have done really well, but I just didn't want to. Because guess what, I want to be able to leave. If I want to be able to leave, <laughs> 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 to be frank with you, yeah. I, and 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 I, I think this has a lot to do with how I grew up, though, too, because. Anyways, that's another episode. Maybe another thing. <laughs> another but with that being said, um he keeps on, I'm finally talking and he keeps on coughing. I'm sorry. Cause
2: <laughs> I don't know it's happening. okay.
1: I forgive you because you know what? You're a veteran. Uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, but sure, all kidding yeah, aside. Yeah, so much
0: of what the uniform represents yeah. and not just you. And even for us, for myself, even for the last three years, to have somebody um, that we get to like, learned so much about because I didn't have any direct family members that served. So my, I'm just a good old civilian in the good old civilian world without any scope of this. So it's been incredible for me to know more.
1: Yeah. It's just, I think it's, again, it's just important to honor the veterans, honor what they've done, what they, and there's some things that we're just never going to know what they've done because there's some guys, that's just what they've seen and what they experienced and they don't, they don't want to talk about it, and that's part of, you know, why we started the whole lighthouse experiment. Right, is to create a bridge, you know, from veterans to us to a, com- a community to allow people to be in a way in a comfortable zone to talk about things and yeah, ha- and help exactly. process things, and because there's so many things that just as you know, a, a um, person that I know that's a cop and. And he was military as well. And just the different things that he's seen, experienced, and, you know, how do you process that? How do you go home to your wife and just, you know, turn that off? Right. So, um, yeah, how, how do you turn that off? Did you, did me knowing you now, I think you haven't really turned it off because <laughs> you are, you still, you're very, very mission oriented. Yes. And... When even if you don't really want to do something, you just you just take the order still, right? You just you're like you just grind your teeth and just embrace exactly. embrace the suck, right? You know, uh-huh. as I say in the military, just brace the suck
2: because um yeah, that's just how it's designed to be. Yeah, I think that's been beneficial for myself for for me to understand that that's how God created me. That's how I was thread together to be an operator. So I'm not. The operations manager at Sports Ambulance because I can—that's not me. I'm not designed for that. That's why I'm, you know, fixing to turn 50 and still work the road is because that's where I—that's where my wheelhouse is. And
0: but you've been able to impact so many people because you are such a great communicator and you are so open about your life and your experiences that you've been able to influence a lot of people. Right. So where I couldn't, if I was right, and that's a lot of the heart of lighthouse experiments to be able to come alongside people, and so you're able to do that in a very active way with what you do. So you're just you're just in the right place at the right time. You were born for such a time as this, right? And so it's and that's yeah, that's kind of
2: answer the question of what it means to be a veteran or how important it is. Is that's just a lot of that. A lot of my growth in that is just come along with this whole project and the obedience of
0: it. Awesome. Well this is really good. I think it's fun to kinda get a new side of hearing your experience and and how you've served. So but thank you for everything that it represents and everything that you have given and served for our country. So it's awesome.
1: Will you stand up please for so we can have (laughs) it. Real Jim
0: Parkin please stand up. up. I'll stand
1: up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us again this week on the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Super grateful for Freedom Center Church and your resources in the room to record. And we'll we'll catch you next time.